There is nothing wrong with your internet. Do not attempt to adjust your settings. We are controlling the podcast. We control the squealing and the screams. We can make your heart flutter, your eyes blur from tears, or sharpen your mind to crystal clarity. For the next hour, sit back. We are in control of what you hear. We repeat, there is nothing wrong with your settings. You are about to experience the awe and mystery known as the female mind. You are now entering the Fangirl Zone. Hello everyone and welcome back to the Fangirl Zone. I am Sean Fangirl S and joining me today for our new podcast, American Gods, is Mr. Gomez, not Adams. Hello! Coming to us all the way from Hollow Nine. Yes! So, so glad to be here. I am super excited about this. I'm so glad you got to join me. Absolutely. I have been waiting for this series for so long. Now, I haven't known about it quite as long as everybody else because, I don't know, I was reading some of Neil Gaiman, and I, I hadn't read a whole lot, and unfortunately I have not read American Gods, but you have read this. I did. Uh, and my first introduction to American Gods was in college, well, not once Neil Gaiman was in college. Okay. Uh, I was friends with somebody who had a brother who was in English, like going for, I think, his English PA doctorate okay. or something, and she would not shut up about Sandman and how great it was and how you had to read this. I loved, I got, I do somewhere, if I can find it in my pile of boxes still, like a hardcover I had gotten way back. I want to say, like, 96, maybe, of Sandman, uh-huh. which was amazing. So, yeah, I didn't get into Sandman until probably, or like, 2000, 2001. Okay. It's really when I got, it was when I actually sat down and read through all of Sandman. Uh, and that was kind of my introduction to Neil Gaiman. So when American Gods came out, I'll be, I picked it up right away uh, and absolutely read that. And it was... Right at, it was like urban fantasy wasn't even really a thing yet when American Gods came out. Mm-hmm. And I feel it kind of entered that, started out that that beachhead into that genre for a lot of people. Uh, because this was obviously before Dresden Files, before Richard Catherine, Sam and Slim, and really kind of exploring, okay, so what does a fantasy novel look like set in America? Uh, which I think was a brilliant take on it. Which year did this come out? Like the, the book, wanna, do you know offhand? Uh, I believe it came out in night in 2000. Okay. Uh, and the reason I say that is because he actually talks in the introduction to the anniversary edition about going to, I believe it's the Barnes & Noble at the World Trade Center. Okay. 2001, actually. June of 2001. Just okay. Rough. There you go. Uh, and that was one of the first signings he did of the book was at the World Trade Center. Oh, wow. Um obviously before it was no longer there right uh and just how it was very much a book of the time that he wrote it okay uh that the world kind of did shift a lot post 9-11 and i i mean i think even might say it it was a very true thing where that book would probably not exist in the same way if it was written post that time period um and one of the things that i really like to segue into the actual show is how they do update the show mm-hmm. uh, to be more of a product of now than than what it was. Ago. In... That's oh god, sixteen years. Ago. <laughs> <laughs> Let's kind of wait. No, let me go back a minute because you were talking about how the urban fantasy thing. I was first introduced to Neil Gaiman not just with Sandman, but actually Neverwhere. Oh, if you've absolutely. ever read that, that was 1996. Yes. God, I yes. feel so old. That yeah. book. I fell in love with that, so you'd think I would have bought, like, every Neil Gaiman after that, and I just am a slacker, apparently, in my book reading. But I think this is seriously changing it, because if you've seen this first episode, I think everybody's running out. We were talking just before. I cannot find this book anywhere locally. It's, like, sold out. This and Handmaid's Tale, totally gone. It comes in, and they're gone. So I think everybody's running out to their bookstores. Thank God. I'm sorry. Absolutely. I'm so happy people are going to bookstores again. Yes. I mean, he also has, um, he also recently came out with Norse Mythology. Okay. Which is on my to be read, to be read pile. And the other book of his I have not yet read is Ocean at the End of the Lane. When I feel like I've been slacking because I have it. I should read it. <laughs> been busy. Been reading other things. Wow. Anyway. 
There's always time for books, unless you're the last man on Earth and your glasses break, and then, you know, that's a whole different show. And then you learn Braille. (laughs) (laughs) I had time. All right. Somebody might actually know what that's from. Shoot us an email, fangirlzonepodcast at gmail.com, because if you know, I will send you something out of my giant, like, goodies bag. Okay, so let's get into the first episode of American Gods, season one. I like that they say season one specifically because that has hope that there's more seasons. Well, I I certainly hope so, Uh, if for no other reason than I actually know where the first season is supposed to end. Okay. There's only eight episodes, folks. So There, There are only eight episodes, and it's like maybe a fifth of the way through the book. Really? Okay, yes. See, Gomez knows what's going on. So, all right, let's We're jump in. We're supposed to do that. I'm going to give you a little synopsis that Stars is released, and then we're going to talk about the characters. I have questions, and since you've read the book, of course, I'm going to be asking you, and then, of course, just, you know, a little chit chat about some of the characters. This one was titled Bone, the Bone Orchard. Yes. <laughs> it sounds so sinister that way. Uh, when Shadow Moon is released from prison, he meets a mysterious Mr. Wednesday, and a storm begins to brew. Little does Shadow know, this storm will be changing the course of his life. Left adrift by recent tra- the recent tragic death of his wife, and suddenly hired as Mr. Wednesday's bodyguard, Shadow finds himself in the center of the world where he struggles to understand. It's a hidden world where magic's real, old gods fear both irre- irrelevance and growing power of the new gods, like technology and media. Mr. Wednesday seeks to build a coalition of old gods to defend their existence in this new America and reclaim some of the influence that they have lost. Shadow travels across the country with Mr. Wednesday, struggling to accept where his place is in this new reality. Now, this cast, I thought, was pretty amazing. Because the first episode, we don't get a whole lot of people, but we, right off the bat, get three of the gods. And that kind of threw me. So we have Shadow Moon, who's played by uh, Ricky Ricky Whittle. Whittle. Which yep. he was so great, and his wife Laura Mood, Moon, played by Emily Browning, which you probably remember her from Sucker Punch. And then we meet three gods and an extra that I'm not exactly saying is a god, but he's not a normal person. We have Mister. Anyway, go ahead. <laughs> we have Mister. Wednesday, played by Ian McShane. The great Ian McShane. Yes, he's amazing. So anybody who was upset that he died really quick in Game of Thrones, you know, you got a whole different thing happening here. And it's amazing. Yeah, yeah. I'm glad he's here instead of Game of Thrones. I'm just saying that. It, it, it's almost like they he was channeling Al, Al Swearingen again he's, from Deadwood. He's so awesome. I love this guy. It, uh, it just it just listening to him talk is amazing. It's like, yes, okay, we're back. Right. <laughs> I just love how it's just kind of no nonsense. And he's like, yeah, I'm going to tell you the truth. It's horrible, but, you know, this is yeah, what but, it is. On the flip side of that, though, it's like he's an out-and-out con man. That's true. Okay, so okay, I'm just so going to no, ask this not, question. He's then. not telling you. He's not telling you all the yeah. truth. Lies by omission. Oh, there's a lot of that, and there's a lot of lying by. There's, there's a certain way to lie by telling the truth. So he's a politician. A lot. In oh. very much <laughs> in a way, yes. For, uh, and he, is, I mean, he plays the. You're going to probably see later on. He plays the diplomat because he's trying to gain power onto himself uh he's trying to he wants to make the he's trying to get all the old gods as varied and different as they are all onto his side mm-hmm. uh, despite their different different backgrounds their shared past everything else so and that's kind of the trick to it right mm-hmm. um so he has to be that politician he has to be that con man to get that to happen now, I'm just going to ask you now, because I'm not 100% sure. Is he supposed to be Odin? All I'm going to say is that <laughs> you know who's, who Wednesday's Day is. No, that's what I couldn't remember. Because I'm like, yeah, Thursday's yeah. Thor's Day, so that's Thor. And I'm Wednesday, like, what, Wednesday was Odin. If, if you know that his other, one of his other names is Wotan, okay. that I'm might like, help you. Remember. And then yes. we have Biliquis, played by... No, yes. I'm sorry? Bilquist, Bilquist. Yes. Oh, I'm sorry. I added a syllable. Um, Yatide Badaki, which I'm really sorry if I screwed up the name. She is playing like an ancient god, which 
Is she from like Mesopotamia? That's what I was thinking. Yes. Okay. So if you if you also think that she one of her other names, and this might get related revealed later in the episode in the series season, is Queen of Sheba. Oh, okay. So yes, another mythological character. Uh, and that's kind of the idea as well, is that, okay, yes, there's there's people and there's gods, but then you also have these kind of beings that are not one or the other. And we see that a little bit with Matt Sweeney. Mm-hmm. Who, that was somebody else I was going to bring up, which I, I felt like he wasn't exactly a god, because he's a, a leprechaun. As, he's a leprechaun. As they explain he's him, the, the down on his luck. Leprechaun, <laughs> biggest damn leprechaun you ever did see. Right? Yeah, it, he's got to be, what, like... Six ten. I mean, he was like played, the, played by Nick Sabatka, who people might recognize from Orange Is the New Black. Wait, what name? I have Pablo Nick Schreiber. Oh, uh, Pablo Schreiber. I know he played Nick, Nick Sabatka on the Wire. Oh, Sorry. okay. <laughs> I was like, wait, that's not the name they have. Yeah, no, <laughs> no. Uh, and he also played Porn Stash in Orange Is the New Black. Oh God, I okay. Everybody's going to groan. I have not seen any Orange is the New Black. I'm well, that's why you person. have like me. That's why you invite people like me onto your <laughs> show to help make these connections. I do like him, though, because, I mean, he was... I just thought he was kind of funny. Because he's, like, talking crap to Shadow, and then he's like, and let's fight. You want this gold? And I'm like, is this not every, like... It, large drunk guy anyway at a bar it's like let's fight you want to play and, and, and that is it's surprisingly true to the book okay which i think is great uh right down to him saying yeah i'm gonna t- yeah i'll teach you the coin trick but I'll, you have to fight me for it and then man he was just having a good old time as him and shadow were thrown down in this episode absolutely but you know he was hired shadow was hired to be a bodyguard and you know you, you need to have a bodyguard that can actually have that can actually fight true and the last god that we see in this episode was Technical Boy, who's one of um, the new one gods. other one that we do see. Wait, we see another one? Yes, we do. Oh, uh-oh. Let me explain yeah, Technical yeah, Boy. Yeah. You'll have to tell me if I miss... I'll, I'll let you... Okay, Technical Boy is purveyor of all things techno- technology, and, well, he's kind of a douchebag. Just in case you weren't sure. He was actually more of a douchebag in the book. Oh my gosh, it's... it's a possibility because yes okay so what they did was so remember that it was written back in 2000 2001 mm-hmm. okay and the internet then was actually not as big as it is now so in the I book he was remember. a fat acne ridden kid okay as opposed to just the smug asshole that you see here. <laughs> he was just so annoying when he came on and obviously all sorts of shit go down because he sent i don't know other to, than to call him his minions these weird much, yeah. faceless things, which just reminded me of Doctor Who, and they were like beating on Shadow, which we'll, we'll get and back to. Bl- and linked it. Yes, which is strange. And yes, okay, spoiler, because I'm going to jump to season or episode two and just say that Shadow references this thing. He was um, strange fruit, which that is so weird. Like I wasn't expecting that reference at all. So just put that out there. Uh, we do have somebody else that I felt was kind of significant, which I don't know if you're going to come back and tell me this is the god. We have Loki Lysmith. Now, see that a little bit faster. Oh! Bum, bum, bum. Yes, people. <laughs> I just caught it. Now, everybody is going to be like, what? And you have to say Loki Lysmith. Lysmith. Ah. Uh, okay. He was a confidant in prison that was always giving philosophical information and basically a way to help keep Shadow out of trouble both in and out of prison. Now, I'm assuming we're going to see more of him then, now that it just like all clicked in my head because of you, Gomez. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, jeez. I felt bad though. Okay, so poor Shadow. Ricky Whittle. First of all, I, I am loving him as Shadow. This poor poor guy he was in prison. He's being released in a few days, but they end up calling him in to release him early. Yay, Shadow. Yay. And then they're like, because your wife just died. What? Was it a car? Was it, was it a terrible car accident? It's like, this but, poor guy can't win for losing. Well, it, and it only gets worse because oh. he, he then discovers that, Yes. well, he has, he has the plane ticket. But it wasn't for the flight that he was supposed to be on because he got released early. 
True. And he eventually keeps getting worse. He eventually does get on the plane, at which point he's also introduced to Mr. Wednesday, who is busy conning himself a first class ticket at that point. That was amazing uh, too, the way he did that. Absolutely. And then you discover that not only is his wife dead, so is his best friend who was gonna be giving him a job when he got out. Who I looked up, apparently his friend was supposed to be played, or is being played by Dane Cook, so I'm assuming we're going to see him in flashbacks. Probably. Or flash forwards, which would be weird, but, you know, they're both dead. Yes. So. Uh, and Dane Cook never actually shows up, well, the best friend never really shows up in the book. Okay. Except as mentioned. Uh, and let me tell you, it gets worse. <laughs> I don't want to jump to it yet, because <laughs> it was just like... I couldn't believe it. I was so upset with what happened. But let's get to let's get to Wednesday and Shadow. They're talking Wednesday. I love it. He's just like, "Hey, you want a job?" No, no it's not even. Do you want a job? I have a That's job true. for you. And he's like, "No, I got a job." He's like, uh, "No, you don't." Here, you want some free shit? They give you free little. <laughs> I can't even talk because I'm just laughing because it just came out of nowhere. He just hands him a bag, this little travel thing, and then apparently he gets in first class. And he's like, "Here, oh, and I can sleep anywhere." And, like, he's in the middle of talking to Shadow and just, like, knocks out. Yes, exactly. Okay. First of all, I am so jealous that anybody could do that. Because there's people like that. I Yeah, no, I have to, like, sacrifice, you know, <laughs> everything. Please let me sleep tonight. I'm, like, chanting in a corner, candles. I don't know. I can't ever sleep. Could be the chanting. Sacrifice that goes somewhere. Yeah. Um. No, uh, but it, it's a great introduction to Wednesday as that con man character. It was uh, really interesting. Just kind of out of nowhere, you start the conversation, which, I mean, I'm sure people do all the time on planes. I'm usually with somebody, so I don't just chat up the helps. person next to me. But uh, I feel like it was, of course, all his fault that they didn't make it to where they were supposed to be. Oh, you think? Yeah. Oh. All putting the pieces into play, right? And it was completely coincidence that Loki was his cellmate in prison. Ah, yes. Complete coincidence. So, until you said that, seriously, it, I'm just like, okay, this weird guy talking weird. I don't know. I've watched too many Marvel movies. All I see is Tom Hiddleston now. So, there you go. So, they land not close enough. He's got to drive to try to get home for his wife's funeral, which is just depressing that this poor man, which... Do they explain in the book exactly why he was in prison? Because I thought they just yes. said assault. Uh, so, in the book at least, he was the driver for a robbery. Oh, okay. Okay. His partners stiffed him on the money. He went and found his partners and beat them to a bloody pulp. Ah, well, that would be assault. The police were called and... Basically, they figured out, okay, yes, and the two people he beat up turned evidence against him. Nobody ever mentioned the money. Hmm. Which is probably, which, because he wanted Laura to have, he wanted his wife to have the money. Mm -hmm. He did the time and kept his mouth shut. Okay. Uh, he's originally uh, in prison for six years. Uh, he serves three. Okay. Yeah, they kind of didn't go into too much detail with that, but I wasn't in, you know, horribly upset about that i figured at some point it would be mentioned but it also does it really matter no um and they get it does like it does. at the end of the day does it matter whether or not you did the time or not no you you sit there and you do your own time because if they didn't catch you for the thing that you did you probably you might have actually done something to get you in there. <laughs> we get to meet his wife like i said laura moon briefly as she's talking with him on the phone <laughs> and everything sounds so hunky-dory yay family and then we find out that she died. But we, like I said, we, his friend died too, both in this car accident. Well, apparently they were together. And not just together. She died with his best friend's cock in his throat and apparently bit it off during the car crash. According to According to the, the best, best friend's, friend's wife. wife. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And also Laura's best friend. So how rough is that being that woman i'm sorry i'm like i understand because she's like raging later on and talking about you know audrey thank you talking about how yes. i told him to leave it where it was in her throat and then shadow's like what the fuck and he kind of looks at her and she's like it's not there i was just oh 
I don't know. I was so upset that this whole thing happened because obviously we don't have the background. You have a little more reading the book, but Shadow seemed like such a nice guy and his wife doing this, not even with somebody that he didn't know, but his best friend who had the job for him. And was going to oh, probably it, it, play it, it off when everything came down. And, and to make it better, Audrey was Laura's best friend. Yes. and That's how uh, they met. That, and that's how they all met was on a – basically, Audrey set uh, Laura up with Shadow. Oh, jeez. It was horrible. I, I was just so upset with this happening. And I'm like, this isn't even me. And this is like the worst well, thing ever. Well, it, it does get a little bit worse at some points. Oh, in God. The how? Uh, well, because – Laura shows up earlier in the book. Okay. Okay, because I think it's pretty obvious she comes back. Mm-hmm. Okay. And only she's dead. And with that comes a certain amount of detachment. So she kind of relates clinically what occurred and doesn't really think about the effect that her words are having on her, I guess, ex-husband at this point. Okay. So she kind of goes into detail like, oh, yeah, so this is exactly what happened. You know, by the way, um, Robbie liked to have mirrors while we fucked. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> And he's, like, telling her husband, and he's like, why are you telling me this? <laughs> I know. This, I mean, like, seriously, I don't know if it's just because she, it's like, she, expressions she, on his face that just make you feel so bad for him. Or because she was calling him puppy. And then I felt like she keeps kicking a puppy. I'm like, well, oh. it's, well and actually, that's, here's my question. Because in the book, it's definitely puppy. Okay. And the reason was because they, when they were renting a place the first time, she wanted to get a dog, and their landlord wouldn't let them. And Shadow told her, "That's okay. I can be the I can be your puppy." Aww. Okay. What I keep hearing though is I keep hearing her say "puppy." See, I think it was just the little bit of accent they gave her, but I did hear "puppy." The first time she said it, I thought it was "poppy," and then I'm like, "Okay, neither of them are Latin, so that'd be a little bit strange." Well, Rick, see, Shadow could be. Well, I assume he, he, he's he was enough. Native American and African American. Well, and there's a good chance that there could be a lot of other stuff in there as well. That's true. But, I mean, he does kind of explain his name to Wednesday, that his mom was kind of a hippie. But I just figured, like I said, the Native American is what I thought was Shadow. Cause, and right. Shadow Boom. Sounding so, like, I don't know, super meaningful. Except that his shadow was his actual name. Right. Which is just, I don't know. And you, and you never find out his last name in the book, in, in the original novel. Oh, okay. Okay, he's always Shadow. You never find out a last name. You never find out if that's his actual name. That's just what everybody calls him. Oh, I got it. <sighs> so, <laughs> craziness uh, ensues. Like we, we mentioned, he's driving to try to get to the funeral. He ends up at a bar. And uh, Wednesday, surprisingly, is there. Decided to talk to him as Shadow goes to the bathroom. Really? Not the place, as far no. as I know, for guys to strike up a conversation. No, that, I mean, like, we it, talk that, that all breaks. the time in the women's bathroom. I, I, I was watching it going, did a woman write this? Because <laughs> that just, like, no, no, no. Like, you keep eyes forward, no eye contact. And you just, you imagine that you're just you're by yourself. There is nobody else in the restroom. It doesn't matter if there's ten other guys in there. It doesn't matter if you haven't seen your best friend in five years and he walks in. No, you do your thing. You go back out into the bar and then you have your little chat. <laughs> Not in the bathroom. Yeah, I'm like, I didn't think <clears throat> guys did that. I thought that was a girl thing. I mean, yeah, the guys don't do that. <laughs> so it's really strange that Wednesday decides like, hey, let's strike up a conversation in here and. Hey, remember that job I offered you? Let's talk a little it's more. Still good. Yeah. Uh, what the hell? And yeah, he no. just seemed pissed. But like they keep talking when they go back to the bar. Wednesday makes sure he has food, not just the chili. Although the bartender was like, "No, it's the best damn chili. You're gonna have some." And I felt like that was gotta be a thing for later. Like she's gonna keep popping up. It seems like it, especially in the bios, when you look at this under American Gods, like they specifically talk about her and the airport gate agent, which seems strange. So I feel like yeah. it has to come back. Uh, it's, the air, airplane agent really does not come back. Okay. At least in the book. You, we assume. 
like we said, anyway. they end up having a couple shots, which apparently is how they close the deal. Of mead. Yes. Not which because okay, it was which, honeyed wine, right? Yes. Okay. So it was, it, it, in which they go into great detail about how badly it tastes right. in the book. Yeah. Well, he kind of he mentions it. It's shitty mead. <laughs> and this is when Mad Sweeney pops up, and he talks about how crappy it tastes. So yes. was he once in on a deal with Wednesday? Well. The thing is, is that Matt Sweeney already works for Wednesday. Oh, but he's really down on his luck? It just seems odd. Well, you know, when... You, okay, let, let me put it this way. You go from being a fairy tale figure in your native country, and then you come here and you're part of St. Patrick's Day. Oh, that's true. That would suck. Yeah. Because I know what we're like on St. I or, I've been in the or, Chicago Southside Irish Parade. Yeah. I know. Or, what or like. you or you walk into a supermarket and all you can see is Lucky Charms, <laughs> and, and like that, that's what people think of you when they look at you. Well, like I said, this is a very tall man. Nothing like I would think a leprechaun would be. And so well, and there, there is a joke in the book about that where they call them the, the little folk, except that the little folk were compared to you know giants. Ah, okay. So, yeah, the, the quote-unquote little folk. And then that they took that and started to be mean on a more literal Gotcha, piece. and then we thought that they were teeny tiny folk. And then you get the weird, like, horror movies, Leprechaun, and it's a whole different... Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but, yeah, so Mad Sweeney. Yes. I just love that he just starts fighting. I'm sorry. I, it's, I'm like, yeah, yeah let's a, drink a little, and fight. I'll look at the good... Can we? How many other Irish stereotypes can we get? <laughs> can we wedge into? Like the one thing that they said was like, "I don't drink Guinness." What are you being racist? I am assuming we're going to see a whole lot more of him. Um, we haven't gone too far, so I, I won't will anymore. <laughs> I just feel like he's going yes, to show up and just start like here. fighting all the time. That's what we're going to have. So uh, they proceed off to the funeral. Shadow finds all this fun stuff out. And by fun, I, I will say you actually do meet one other god. Okay, who? Um, in the very beginning, when they're doing the coming to America bit. Yes, the Vikings. Okay, the person writing in the book. Oh, I was going to ask you about that, actually, because I just read about the various gods. And just because they didn't say who that was, I was assuming... And it's actually not popping up. Where is it on my list? It's Mr. Ibis. Thank you. I was going to look. The Keeper of Stories, right? Yeah. Okay. So that's actually Toth, who was the Egyptian god of memory and uh, was one of the Egyptian god of, one of the Egyptian gods of the dead. We have... Oh, there it is. There it is. I found it. Um, and you should be meeting his uh, partner later on as well. There are so many gods coming up in this, which... I'll kind of give a quick rundown what it's telling us, which obviously, I don't know if it's just giving us a little bit, because there could be way more. But unfortunately, like I said, Shadow finds out all this horrible stuff about his wife, and at the end, he's he's standing there talking to her grave and throws the coin that he ended up winning from, winning or taking, I'm not really sure, from oh, Matt it was, Sweeney. It, it was given to him by Matt Sweeney. Okay. I wasn't 100% sure if he won the fight, because... I don't know. I guess it depends on whose side you're looking at. Well, Matt Sweeney did, did teach him the coin trick that he knows. Okay. I wasn't sure with all that happening. But I just love the fight scene. It was amazing. Yeah. Now, now, he can't remember the coin trick. But he, ends <laughs> but, up, he was taught, but he was taught the coin trick. But he ends up throwing the coin onto his wife's grave and kind of walks away. Yep. And then we see the coin slowly slip down into her grave. Yeah. Which is why I think And that's how zombies happen. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of zombies, you got a whole different weird set of worshippers, kind of, coming. I don't know how that segues with zombies, but it is. Um, Bilquis, who, beautiful woman, is going on a date. And why does this guy look so familiar that was his, her date? I, that I cannot tell you. Oh, my gosh. Unless he's just one, unless uh, he's is he one, one of the Murray brothers? I feel like was he that? was one of the Murray brothers. Okay. But he goes and they're talking and they're at the bar and next thing we know, they're headed into the bedroom and he's like, but I really like you. I want to see you again. She's like, oh, you will. So, like, she's just getting undressed. I'm like, well, this is definitely not suitable for work. Hope nobody's watching this when they're supposed to be working. And she's telling him, light those candles, do this, do this. And then worship me. I'm like, oh, this can't be good for him. 
Yeah, I would also like to say that I, I really like the fact that they packed in as much as they could into episode one. They did. It was to crazy. say, to say, if you think this might not be appropriate for you, we're gonna <laughs> give, we're gonna let you know right now before you have a chance to get invested. Yeah, they're they're not gonna pull any punches. It's like, oh, there's a lot of crap going on. It's like how much blood, a lot of violence. Oh, and here's the sex part. Right. Have we offended everybody yet? Good. Now, if you're gonna stick with us for episode two. Okay, then. Exactly. Which gets even weirder. And it weirder. gets worse in episode two. <laughs> so, yeah, she's having sex, and all of a sudden, as she's telling him to worship her, like, his voice changes. His eyes seem to change. And yeah. it's like a chant all of a sudden. A prayer. Yeah. And, and then he... What was it? I was going to say, and then he gets swallowed the wrong way. Yeah. Because she says, go ahead and release, which is like, okay... And then all of a sudden, I, this is what I thought. All of a sudden, she's growing larger. Because I'm like, her hand is the entire size of his face. I'm like, what is going on? Is she becoming this giant? Then I'm like, oh, my God, that's not what happened. He was getting smaller and smaller and being. She turned him into a human dildo. Yeah. Sucked up into her body, which was so weird. And even weirder when you see him in episode two. I'm just going to put that there. So. When do you see him in a... You just see him for that minute with that, like, look of glee. Ah. So when you see that, you'll know what I'm talking about. <laughs> just... Yeah, I just. Ah, uh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> so. It was definitely one of those. Yeah. It was it was one of those things. Like I said, I I was confused because of the angle. Really, what was happening? If she was like becoming this larger than life kind of god thing, or yeah, see the, that was actually in the book exact, just that same way. Mm -hmm. So I was expecting that. Uh, what I was not expecting was them to revisit that in episode two. <laughs> <laughs> true, true. I was like, okay, got it. <laughs> just in case Don't you're unsure. Again. Yeah, in case you're unsure. So, like we said. Bilquis pretty much not suitable for work, so don't yeah, don't no. look at any of those scenes. But I just thought it was kind of interesting because she seemed to change just slightly. It wasn't mm -hmm. like a huge transformation, at least not in my opinion. I don't know. I thought it was just well, a little bit different look to her. And that's actually something that happens with quite a few of the gods during the course of the book, where if they gain any amount of power, they physically change. Okay. Um, so they look healthier. Oh, okay. And the more that they lose power, the less healthy they end up looking. Gotcha. So we might see this happening a whole lot more. Yes. So sort of like, um, I'm pretty sure it doesn't happen until episode two with Wednesday and the girl he takes back to his room. Oh, uh, yes. Okay. See, now I'm going to have morning, to rewatch it. This in the morning, he, he, at least in the book, especially in the book, he looks healthier. Okay. So the he, shadow jokes, you know, what is it? Take one virgin and call me in the morning? Ah. Uh, oh, that's creepy. Yeah. Well, especially when, you know, Ian McShane is not a young man. Right. And then when you figure out how much older Odin really is, Mr. Wednesday really is. Right. If he's supposed to be this old North Scott. Yeah. And he's basically picking up Shelby. <laughs> oh, man. Now I'm all creeped out. But I'm still going to keep watching. But, but that's kind of, I mean, and you're, but the thing is, you're supposed to be creeped out. That's part of it. Like, you're supposed to look at it going, that's not right. <laughs> but I'm loving it. Is that weird? Like, the fight scenes, I thought were great. Like, talking about Technical Boy and his little douchebag army, who ends or the, up... Or the very opening with the Vikings, oh, who was... are like, we, we need to find, we need to get Odin back to our land. I know, we'll start poking our eyes out. Well, that didn't work. Oh, let's, oh, wait. So we sacrifice winning kind of like that, so we have to have a really big fight. That'll get him back. Yes, the blood and gore were not stopping in this episode. Now, yes. like I said, you know, technical boy fights, craziness, blood everywhere. We don't see what ended that fight. Do they talk about it in the book? No. no? Oh, that fight doesn't happen in the book, Oh, okay. Because I was wondering. So he kind of he gets kicked out of the limo and walks back to the hotel. Oh, so I feel like Technical Boy is, other than just being a douchebag, is going to have to play a very large part because why is he so interested 
And as we see, why are all of these gods so interested in Shadow? So I don't want you to spoil that for anybody. So they're just going to... And, and I'm a little bit worried that you're not going to find out until at least season two. But that's okay. It'll keep us all interested. Absolutely. Yes. But there is a definite connection between... There's a definite reason why Wednesday picked him. I don't know. I, I feel like there's so much going on and with Shadow, I should say. And it's just kind of like going to make my brain itchy that I'm not well, going to get I enough think, information. Well, I, I think one of the things that's interesting about Shadow is he kind of he's very much rolling with all the information that's coming in at him. Which is kind of strange. Even and, living in the world that we live in, like, I don't know and, if I'd be able to roll with it quite as easily as he has. But one of the very telling things in the book is that he even states that he's not really alive. Once he finds out that his wife died. Okay, so he's just kind of like he's, going through motions. He's, he's emotionally dead. Okay. Uh, he doesn't really have, because he even says, like, is there anything keeping you in this town? No, this was Lore's town. I never really fit in here and when he's at Eagle Point. Mm -hmm. um, and so he he's going through the motions of life. But at the end of the day, it's like, why is he doing this? Well, he has nothing else to do, really. Well, I guess that would explain why he's so calm and just kind of rolls with everything. Yep. And, and part of it as well could be looked at, he just got out of prison. And he, he still has that prisoner's mindset of, I live my day, day to day. I'm not, I'm not going to make waves. I'm, not gonna, I'm trying very hard not to draw attention to myself. That's true. Kind of keep your head down and just go through with it. it exactly. Hmm. Interesting. Um, on the downside... As far as a protagonist goes, he's not an active protagonist. So he's not actually driving. He doesn't drive any of the action that's happening. It's all being done to him. He doesn't actually go ahead and make any of the, of the decisions. Not really. Um, he makes some small decisions that are very important later on. Uh, but as far as instigating the action and having goals and everything else, he doesn't. Which works really well, though, from an audience surrogate point of view. Because you're finding out things at the same time he is. You're getting the mysteries revealed at the same time that he is. So in that way it works. Well, I think that's a way, like you were saying, just to you know, connect so much with the audience. Because like, if you were just watching this and he was freaking out over everything, I don't know if you'd feel like bad for him as, quite as much. I don't know. Maybe it's just me. Maybe I'm strange like that. I don't know. But um, I think we have... like. Um, awesome stuff coming up because we have so many gods that they're going to introduce us to and so many people it's amazing we have let me and, and, oh go ahead no and I, and I think one of the really nice things about especially in the book and that they're keeping on with this is the coming to america pieces yes. which are these sort of interludes with okay so how did this god end up mm -hmm. in america how did this one end? And like they didn't all come over at the same time they, their people brought them here and how did that happen um, and I know I think one of the episodes is going to be devoted almost completely to one of those stories. Okay. Because uh, there's no way to just tell it in that brief 10-minute span. Well, some of the awesome people that we have coming to the show, we have Crispin Glover playing Mr. World, who is apparently the leader of the New Gods. Yes. We have Media, played by Gillian Anderson, which I love her. So and it was really weird watching her play Lucille Ball. Um, we have Easter, played by Kristen Chenoweth, who is also mm -hmm. known previously as Astara, if I'm saying that right. It's the old... Yosta. Yosta. Oh, wow, I really screwed that up. Uh, one that I'm... I wasn't 100% if he's supposed to be a god. Um, Chernobog? Or am I... Chernobog, who you would, might remember from Night on Bald Mountain, the Disney Fantasia. Okay. He, wasn't he the in um, the Bruce Willis movie with the meteor? Why am I blanking? Armageddon. Yeah. Peter Stormare. I don't know if he was. I don't know if he was in that. Oh no, he was. He the. Uh, he was the Russian. The Russian cosmonaut. <laughs> American shit. Right. <laughs> Russian shit. All made in Japan. <laughs> you have the three sisters, who are supposed Zoyas. To the Zoya sisters. Yes, which I am thinking they're supposed to be the Fates, but I could be wrong. Kind of. Uh, I mean, there's a lot of triple goddesses that show up during the course of the book. Okay. But Chorus okay, so Leachman, come on. Having her on, yes. I just feel like it's probably going to be necessary. 
Absolutely. Coming back to a totally or, Orlando different, Jones. yeah, so a totally different what like character that I've seen from him, which may just be me because I'm remembering him so much from Sleepy Hollow, which was the most recent thing that I, I've really seen him in like an extended period. He's playing Mr. Nancy or Anasi, the trickster goddess. Trist, trickster god. I'm sorry. Spider god. Let okay. me even be more specific because I'm not cool with spiders. It kind of creeps me out. So we have weird stuff happening. Which is, um, which is also interesting because it plays into... It, it's good that they brought that in. Brought in the African aspect, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and I really appreciated that uh, Gaiman went ahead and did that. For that, with that character, um, and bringing in the African tradition as well, and not just saying, "Hey, we're going to talk about the gods." Oh, and look, here are all the Greek ones. Here's all the Norse ones. Screw everybody else. Um, yeah. Which really is not what he did with this book at all. I just like how yeah, there's like a mix. We have Vulcan coming mm-hmm. on, Corbin Burnson. What? Yeah, I, he was odd. I don't remember him showing up at all in the book. Uh, we have Mr. Ibis, which you said was the keeper of the stories. Yep. Which I was wondering uh, if that's who we have writing. Yeah. We have Anubis, the Jinn, uh, Salim. These are people we have not seen yet. We're even going to have Jesus, which I just thought was kind of funny. Uh, uh, gonna I don't know that how big of a role that's going to play. I don't know. Yeah, I'm not sure how big, how much of a role this guy plays. The picture they're showing though just kind of looks like Charles Manson, which is kind of creepy. <laughs> so maybe they make him not look so crazy. Who knows? We'll find out. But I'm excited about this season, and like I said, it's only eight episodes, so it's not like terribly long. But it, it's just no, really exciting after the first episode, and then yes, Matt and I have seen the second episode already. So I'm, like, super excited to see what else is coming soon. Absolutely. I really want to see more of Mr. Anansi, because he didn't play, I mean, other than the Coming to America bit, he did not do anything in that other episode. Yes. But in episode that was two. pretty powerful. So that's going to be really yes. so, very exciting. Is there anything that you want to say that isn't too spoilery, like, watch out for somebody coming back? I don't know. Uh, uh, I think it's good. the thing to know about this here is that you need it's going to reward paying close attention. Ah, okay, so maybe watch um, a couple times. Oh, that's actually what I was going to ask you. Go ahead and finish yes. your statement, and I have a question. That's fine. Another one. Um, and this is also I think a series that it uh, it's doing the the kind of faithful translation from book to small screen mm-hmm. that everybody says this is really what they want to see. And it's, I mean, it's taking enough liberties to keep it current and updated and make sense and engaging, while at the same time still very, being very, very true to the source material. Okay. There was a vision, I guess, that Shadow had with a tree. Buffalo man. And, yes, there was, like, all the bones and the and the buffalo with fire eyes. Mm-hmm. Is that supposed to be a god? Yep. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm going I'm to leave this. I, I, I think Gaiman was the one that said this, was that, America doesn't have history in in the same way that, say, Europe does. Okay. America has landscape, okay. and America has geography. So if you look at, it, at at the buffalo less as the spirit of America or God or whatever else, and as more just it's the land itself. Okay. Okay. I was wondering if it's like it's supposed to be a Native American God, and we're going to find out more, but Matt... You kind of looked a little like you didn't want to say something, so maybe we all should go get the book. But yes, well, you know, and uh, Gaming also makes a point about um, Native American beliefs, especially in North America, mm-hmm. as relates to how they viewed gods. Um, so that there wasn't a, if you look at stories about coyote for example, and all the different Native American myths. So the every they all have creation myths, mm-hmm. but they also, when they talk about their gods, they do it in a way that is not strictly reverential. Right. Because uh, Coyote so is a They're going to talk about how Coyote had sex with porcupine women and his dick got filled with quills. <laughs> okay, that's not Which something not to do. Same, but that's not the kind of story that somebody's going to tell about Odin. Right. Or, or Zeus. Or. 
any of those. Um, so the Native American mythology was much more, yeah, this is kind of how the world is, and yes, there are these spirits out there, but they're in existence with the land in a way that I think was somewhat different than how especially Western Europe and even and other cultures view their um, mythology. Mm-hmm. And it, it talks a lot about how the United States, is, especially, is not a good land for gods. We're not a great place for uh, the stories and the reverence that other places might be. Okay. Well, I think that's because there's so much diversity, I guess, and not a whole lot of actual belief. They're lacking, there's a, there's a bit of faith lack. Yeah. Yeah, we'll just kind of leave it at that. We're not going to get in a whole religious discussion here, because if you've seen this show, that's not exactly what they're going for. Not yet. But anyway, I hope you guys are enjoying this first episode, because I thought it was crazy, and it definitely made me want to watch the next one, and then the next one made me want to watch the next one, and so on and so on. So I'm in for the eight episodes. It's doing what good TV should do. Which is make is is hooking you early and keeping you engaged. Yes. Trying to talk about and, it at it, work is almost impossible. Well, and I, th- I think one of the nice things, again, going back to the, like, the fact that they're doing the eight episodes, is that it's not going to. It's less likely to suffer from the kind of season fatigue mm-hmm. that longer things can suffer from. We have like the filler episodes. Right. Exactly. Because this one, you had to set the scene and jump right in. Yep. So we do have like a separate story, but I'm assuming. It's all going to be coming together very, very soon. All right. Well, you know where you can find us, obviously, Fangirl Zone and... Hollow Nine. Yes. Gomez and I... Well, Gomez more than me lately has been over at Hollow Nine doing What Am I Watching? Because the schedules never quite match up. Well, yeah, we've been... And we need to get back into What Am I Watching anyway. <laughs> I need to talk to Clone... Get him back on track. If we can get Clone into this, then we might have him on and do a big group one at the end. Um, but Gomez has another awesome adventure happening right now. Why don't you tell everybody what's going on? Yes. Uh, so my other side gig, uh, which is always fun at work when I talk about side gigs and people look at me like, which one are you talking about now? <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's like, oh, great. Uh, so I launched a magazine this year with my f- good friend Cameron Mount called Broadswords and Blasters. Uh, And it is a pulp magazine, uh, but with an eye eye towards updating sort of the old pulp pulp tropes and updating them for the 21st century. So we want to see more diversity in the characters. We want to see female leads. We want to see strong minority characters. Uh, We're not looking necessarily for parody, per se, but we definitely want to see, like, action-based stories. Because our feeling is a lot of... Even science fiction and fantasy stories can be devolved into way too much nasal, uh, navel gazing, and nothing's happening. Mm-hmm. And no, okay, we want stories that get the blood pumping a little bit. Uh, so in our first issue, we had tra- a time traveling lesbian mad scientist. Um, we had a couple of fights. We had uh, a ex priest who had been trapped in hell and is now back and hunting down demons in. Renaissance Italy. Uh, we had a space mafia. We had a lunar private detective, uh, and a few other stories in there. So we're really excited by this. Uh, we've actually gotten quite. We're up to five whole reviews on Amazon, <laughs> and people don't hate it. Um, and I mean, we're, so we found writers, which is great. And now we're just looking for readers, uh, which is kind of the the next step of that. Is and you know, it's always a struggle trying to find your audience. Mm-hmm. Well, especially brand uh, but new, we're making... but I, it sounds amazing. So is it strictly okay. online, or is it print? Uh, so we're doing, it's through Amazon, so it's on Kindle, mm-hmm. uh, and you can also do print-on-demand through Amazon as well. Uh, and it is two ninety nine for the Kindle edition and six ninety nine for the print. If you're wondering why the slightly higher price than some of the stuff you might find on Amazon, for a very simple reason, we're paying our contributors. We're not paying them a lot, but we are paying them. Uh, and, it's, and that was very important to us going into this, was that we were going to – our feeling was we never met anybody who died from a paycheck. Right. <laughs> you can't say the same thing about exposure. That's true. Now, <laughs> if somebody wants to submit a story to you, how do they do that? 
we are currently closed for submissions because uh, we are actually good for stories through uh, issue three, which will be released in October. Our next issue, uh, we issue one is out there now. Issue two is coming out in July. Issue three will be October because our feeling was every three months was a good way to maintain our sanity because <laughs> uh, we do have day jobs and we're not making any money off of this. Uh, but if they do want us to submit broadswordsandblasters.com, uh, it has all of the submission details. We keep the submission guidelines up for right now, uh, and we will be announcing probably in June when our next submission period will open for issues four and five. There you go, people. If you have that I, story just kind of in the back of your head, you got plenty of time. And as anybody who's ever listened to me doing podcasts knows that I like to go on my little tangents, diversions, and everything else. Uh, so once a week, we put out something called Pulp Appeal which is uh, going and looking at old pulp characters or writers. So we've done Conan, Cole the Barbarian. We did Flash Gordon, uh, recently did Zorro. Uh, and looking at kind of like those iconic characters that came out of the pulp tradition and trying to like, okay, you know what? There's, these characters still have some legs to them. Uh, let's talk about them a little bit and say like, these are the people that we, that this is what got us into these kind of stories. Uh, and it's not just the fiction, uh, though obviously that's a part of it, but it's the movies as well. Like my first introduction to Flash Gordon was the 1980 movie. Uh, my first introduction to Conan. <laughs> uh, but yeah, but that's the kind of, that's the kind of stuff that we got into, uh, and that we really want to see those kind of stories uh, get more traction and get more and get out there more. Uh, and then not just talk about, like, okay, yeah, we can talk about Robert E. Howard and H.P. Lovecraft until we're blue in the face. But other people are still writing those kind of stories and deserve to get out there. Well, hopefully uh, you, you'll give some a few people that maybe listen a shot somewhere down the line. And who knows? Maybe they'll give us a shout-out later on in one of their books. Absolutely. All right, everyone. We do hope you enjoyed this. And... We totally look forward to talking to you more. Uh, my next episode, I'm actually going to have Jennifer from Hollow Nine joining us. We're going to kind of like rotate this so yeah, everybody Jennifer. gets a chance to talk about it because I know so many people have been so excited about this. But make sure you rate and review us on every platform you're finding us on because I know we're like all over the place right now. And check out everything over on fangirlzone.com. We have our shopping links, which don't charge you any extra. It just kind of helps us out. And... I mean, come on. We have California Wine Club. Who wouldn't want to get wine delivered to your house? As long as it's legal for your state. Yeah, that's true. They're not every state. So, because I think actually my state, I can't get it. Go figure. Yeah. But we do hope you're enjoying oh, it. And we will see you soon. I'm Sean Fangirl S. And until next time.